0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number two on a Tuesday edition
1: of Home and Home here on the Radio.com app or Radio.com slash home. We are always brought to you by ZipRecruiter, which is the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com. Slash enter friendly reminder. Check us out on social media. We literally have a team of millennials. Their whole job is to post awesome video clips from the show on social media. If you don't follow us on social media at RDC Home and Home or at RDC Sports, then they'll lose their jobs. So don't do it for me. Don't even do it for you save the millennials follow us on Twitter and watch our awesome video clips or else another millennial will have to live with their parents for even longer. Help America save their parents from the millennials living in their high school bedroom. Okay. That's the key. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He is at C dot Harrison. Hopefully you already have the radio.com app. If you don't, you're missing out. You can also watch us radio.com/slash home. We're going to get back to the Rams conversation a little bit later because we didn't really dive into the Rams debacle last night, as well as Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. But first, we got to talk a little bit of college football with my guy, Pete Thamel, who's the best college football writer and newsman in the business. For Yahoo! Pete, it's Ross. I've got Carrington filling in for Dave today. Really appreciate the time, as always. I, I guess I'll just start, Pete, with the Oregon loss from a college football playoff perspective. What does it mean?
2: Well, I think, I think it means a lot. It, it hurts the Pac-12 double, Ross, because obviously it takes their top contender— on paper and pulls it out of the college football playoff race. And then it hurts the case for Utah, which really only has, uh, it really has no quality wins right now. And Oregon was going to be their chance at a quality win in the Pac-12 title game. If Utah (coughs) wins this week, they obviously clinched the Pac-12 South. So that matchup, they needed to help each other and they needed to both be one loss teams and Oregon simply flopped like an Epic flop. Uh, there, there's no other way to say it. They, they had a much better team. Arizona State was reeling. They'd lost four straight games. And there, you know, there was Oregon uh, headed down to the desert and, and melting in front of our eyes. And, you you know, Larry Scott just had to say, what do we need to do with the Pac-12 commissioner? Because that uh, that league is on a, uh, on a run of irrelevancy that does not look like it'll be reversed this year.
1: Pete, I got to ask you, I know you've spent uh, a lot of time around Justin Herbert, uh, you know, I know you probably talked to him about his decision to stay in school after last season. He's come back. I think he's had a good year. He had a horrendous game Bad Saturday day. night. Horrendous. Can you just tell us a little bit more about why he stayed in school? Because I'm starting to wonder if he's the next in the line of the Matt Linerts and Matt Barkley's that maybe even hurt his draft stock by staying in school.
2: I don't want to overreact to one game, Ross, because he has had a very good season. I don't have the statistics in front of me off the top of my head. But his touchdown interception is eye-poppingly good. Uh, I think there's there's a few things with Justin Herbert. We'll we'll start to answer your question. And he came back in in part because his brother was going to play. His brother's a a freshman tight end um, for the Ducks. He also had a serious academic bend in what he had done there. And this was going to be, he was a biology major. He, if he was not the starting quarterback who would go to the NFL, he was going to become a doctor. So he has above a 4.0 grade point average. I don't even think you could do that at Syracuse. And I certainly didn't threaten it in school. I promise you that. Uh, And he thought this year would be good for his football development in order to Finish his classes, graduate in the spring, and then come back for the quarters in the fall and the winter, and not have foot, not have academics, which were a huge time commitment for him, to slow him down at all, and he could focus fully on football. Uh, I do think the system he's playing in uh, has not maximized his skill set to to some extent. And I talking to NFL people, they don't they they love his raw physical talent in his arm. He made two throws in the prior week, Ross, that you would fall off your chair. They were wow throws to the to the Maximus. And so um, I don't know. I I my hunch is that he will still be the number one pick in the NFL draft because the raw and physical talent is there. But I, I will not argue with you. He was awful the other night. He was missing screen passes. He was inconsistent. He was throwing the ball high. He was throwing it too hard. He missed open guys. Like, that That loss in a lot of ways starts with him because he was, you know, he he was just simply not accurate. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a, an interesting finish. He, he does need to finish strong. The, the NFL loves the hot quarterback. A couple games like Saturday in a row – could cool him a bit.
3: Hey, Pete, really appreciate you coming on today. I've got a toss-up question for you. Who's more likely to make the playoff, Utah or Oklahoma? So I'm on Team
2: Utes right now. I just think if you watched Alabama, if you've watched Utah, and if you've watched Oklahoma, Utah is the most consistent team. They're better on both sides of the ball. Uh, They have – Really excellent quarterback play with Tyler Huntley. Zach Moss is one of the five best tailbacks in college football, and they have a defensive line. If you're going to be successful in the playoff, you're probably going to end up playing an SEC team. You need a defensive line that the NFL drools over. And Utah has a top five defensive line in the sport. Um, that's a position they've always recruited well. They usually have a, a pipeline to some Polynesian kids. Morgan Scali, their defensive coordinator, has the country's third best unit uh, in terms of scoring defense. And I really think that, pound for pound, Utah is the best. I know you asked me a toss-up, good. I'm, I'm going to spread it out to three. And I, I'm going to put Utah in at, at the four right now with what we've seen of them.
3: Pete, you bring up Alabama. What's the argument for Alabama making the playoff that's resume-based and not historically based? Because this year, they don't appear to have the non-con wins. They don't have Tua. And they're not going to win the SEC West. I feel like if Alabama is included in the playoff, it's based on what they've accomplished in the past and not what they've done this season.
2: Oh, well, I think that's a, I think that's a very fair argument. Uh, I'll be at Alabama Auburn on Saturday, and it's literally going to be like not only covering a game, but it's almost going to be covering like like doing like a movie review because our prism of the Alabama that we need to judge for the playoff is going to play out for 60 minutes in that Auburn game. And so – it's going to be style points. It's going to be projecting forward against better teams. It's going to be everything. I really think they'll be – if Alabama makes a playoff this year, I think they'll end up expanding the playoff within 18 months because I think there will be such outrage because, as you mentioned, Karen, that their resume is completely empty. And if they're making it, they're making it based on brand, and that's going to cause discomfort around college football. Remember, we only got to the playoff because Alabama ended up playing LSU in the bowl championship series title game back in, I think it was 11 and that off season magically everyone revolted and we had the playoff now. Uh, And I think going forward, we will end up at eight. It's a matter of when, what's the trigger. This could be the trigger.
1: All right. So we're talking with Pete Thamel from Yahoo. Check him out on Twitter at Pete Thamel. He's as good as it gets. I think he's the best college football writer, and newsbreaker out there Uh, let me just walk through this for a second okay ohio state and clemson assuming they hold serve they're in we all realize that although by the way i think there's a chance ohio state loses to michigan but that's a whole other story then we get to lsu i mean even if they lose pete to georgia I kind of feel like LSU would still be ahead of Alabama. So do you think it's fair to say that as long as LSU doesn't stumble this week and they get to the SEC championship game, they're in. And then if Georgia beats them, Georgia's in. I mean, if that scenario plays out like that, it's going to be Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, right? Yes, I I think
2: that's the cleanest scenario, Ross. I think you're 100% right. There's no way – I mean, LSU would be the best one-loss team in the country if they lose to Georgia. They'd have a top-four loss, and then they have all those top-15 wins from from earlier in the season. And people could discount the win at Texas because Texas has fallen on their face. They still went to Austin, Texas, and scored 45 points on a reasonably good Texas team. It's a lot better than beating Duke. Like, let's put it that way. So, but I really think playing Florida in their crossover, uh, LSU's earned it. They pound for pound earned it. They went into Tuscaloosa and won. That's the single best win in college football all year. So I really don't think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, verbiage. We, we won't have to watch that, like, painful two-hour ESPN show, you know, if uh, if, if that happens because the, the field will be set. Um, all right. So and, then and I think like everybody
1: the... – oh, sorry, Pete, go ahead.
2: What I was gonna say the other race Ross right now that I think is really interesting is the race for number one, but it's really between LSU and Ohio State right now. It's style points to avoid Clemson because whoever's sitting there at four is not going to be as good as Clemson. even if it's even if it's LSU, LSU might not even fall the four. they may only fall the three if they uh, if they if they do, I guess that would be hard because you'd have to put Georgia up there ahead of them, but um and they wouldn't want to rematch the two SEC teams somewhere. but I really think that that is in the back of the minds of a lot of people on the LSU staff and the Ohio state staff is, Hey, we don't want to play Clemson that first weekend. We'll take them in the title game. No need to, uh, no need to see if they actually are better than last year, which we really won't know because they haven't played the schedule. So I I really think that is a, that is a huge factor looming here.
1: You know, I'm curious, Pete, uh, just to follow up on that. Um, So if there are no upsets, right? So if Alabama beats Auburn and Ohio State beats Michigan and in the conference championship games, everything that happens and LSU beats Georgia, what is the debate we're having? Because obviously it's LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State. The debate at that point is just a one-loss Utah versus a one-loss Alabama. I mean, is that really what it comes down to if everybody holds serve? Well, I think Oklahoma is a
2: Big 12 champion. I mean, being a conference champion is supposed to be a fundamental tenet of all this. And it's one of those, like, it feels like the committee's used it when it's been convenient. And then they haven't used it when it's not convenient. And so we'll see this season if they deem that a – how big of a factor they deem that. Oklahoma's made the playoffs the last two seasons. and. They're, they're a very good college football team. They, they're a bit defensively challenged. They've had some turnovers, turnover issues. Jalen Hurts has proven to be one of the 10 best players in the sport this year, but he's not as good as his two predecessors. C.D. Lamb is the best player on that team. He's excellent the wide receiver. Whew, man. Uh, so I really think
3: it's a, it's a
2: three-team debate for four.
3: Pete, I want to ask you about Clemson because I don't want to call them Florida State from a couple of years ago. You remember uh, in the, I believe it was the college football playoff when they got smoked by Oregon and then Jameis had the fumble and we all memed it, uh, it to death. Do we know how good Clemson is? Because looking at their resume, they haven't really beat a team that I would consider to be very good, but they are the defending national champions. How good do you think Clemson is?
2: You know, character, I think they're excellent, to, to be honest with you. I, I, it's hard to doubt that much talent. And they have the they have the the best NFL prospect in the country right now, right? In, in Trevor Lawrence. So you start right there, and then they have uh, they have a I believe twenty two game winning streak as a program. So they played bad teams, but it's hard to win twenty two games in a row. They have a winning culture. They've proven they can win the playoff. They've proven they can win big, high stakes games. They have T Higgins, who's a you know top five. Uh, receiver picked in the upcoming NFL draft, and they've reloaded on that defensive line to where they're not where they were last year with the three first-round picks, but they're still pretty darn good. They have a secondary that's as good. So at a certain point, you have to stop looking at the actual games and just examine the talent, and the talent is there, and also the culture and tradition of winning. The players don't know how to lose, and that helps you when you when you play in these big postseason games. It's going to be hard to pick against Clemson, even though I totally agree they haven't played anyone.
3: Pete, earlier I asked you a toss-up question about Utah and Oklahoma. Let's ask a follow-up question, a toss-up question. Who do you think is the better NFL prospect, Joe Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Because I feel like we were all quick to anoint Trevor Lawrence last year when he played well against Alabama. He's had a little bit of a sophomore slump. Are you still as high on him as an NFL prospect?
2: Absolutely. I think Trevor Lawrence is a rare one. Um, He certainly hasn't. He was expected to walk on water for the entire season. And he got a little bit wet, but he still had a really, a really nice year. And I feel like the NFL people I talk to still mention him in like the rarest terms with like the big arm. Now he's had some big mental mistakes. He's thrown some bad interceptions. Joe Burrow's been a ball of fire. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback from a red shirt junior to red shirt senior year. So we're talking about an older guy, right? Like this isn't a jump because gained 15 pounds or grew or whatever he's completing almost 20 percent more of his passes he was like a perfectly capable sec player last year and he has been the best player in college football this year at least in terms of offense i think it's a two-horse race between him and chase young for the heisman trophy but i have not seen a player make a leap like joe burrow has between his junior and senior year and all my years covering college football
1: pete you mentioned uh Chase Young and and the Heisman, can, can I just say, it, how does it work out that the news came out before the Maryland game and he misses Maryland and Rutgers? Like, I mean, can, you, know, you know how it works. You know what goes on behind the scenes. Tell me that they didn't know this was coming and then address it during that week so that he missed the Rutgers and Maryland game. Because he doesn't play against Penn State, that might be a different game.
2: Yeah, there's 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 no question. He was uh, he was, again, the best player on the field. He he may have delivered in back to back games that he played the two best individual defensive performances I've ever witnessed. He had it's like the old Christmas song uh, against uh, Penn State. He had nine tackles, four tackles for loss. Three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, it was an unbelievable performance. It, it's just that is just rare dominance, Ross. You know, a defensive lineman getting nine tackles is extremely rare to begin with. And then to be as disruptive as he was, they, they literally game planned at the end. I thought it was a really interesting football strategy nuance to, to hear it from the Ohio State coaches after. They're at midfield, fourth and short. They punt, they pin him on the 11. And they basically were like, we don't think Penn State can drop back and win the game because they can't block Chase him. And what happens on first down? He swallows the right tackle hole, sacks the quarterback at the one-yard line with a little help from a fumbled snap, and all of a sudden they're pinned. Ohio State gets the ball uh, off the punt, scores, and, and it makes it a two-score game and wins. But I don't ever remember coaches saying, we are basically making in-game strategic decisions around the opposition's inability to block a single player. They, basically, Ohio State coaches say, if we ever get up and a team has to pass to come back and win against us, they're not going to win because they can't block this guy.
3: Pete, really quickly, I want to ask you about Florida State. Who do you think their next head coach is going to be?
2: It's a, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I feel like if you dial in on FSU right now in that search, they're sort of going through like the, the big swing and miss phase of it. Um, and, and I've said this uh, on the show before here to, to these guys, Carrington. they are such a mess in the president's office. There's uncertainty, the athletic department, there's a ton of uncertainty. And then they have this whole shadow booster, sentimental booster club that has scared away like real big boy ADs from going to Florida State for a long time. So there's essentially so much uncertainty that they're not going to be able to get an A1 brand name popping coach, in my opinion. So I think it comes down to a level of, Mike Morvell from Memphis, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, Brian Harson from Boise State. Somewhere in that level is where you'll find the next Florida State head coach.
1: All right, Pete, last one. Speaking of coaching, you broke the news that Rutgers and Shiano were breaking it off. I'm a little confused. I mean, it sounded like Rutgers wanted to make this happen. It sounded like Rutgers gave Shiano a lot what what was the sticking point? What was the one thing or the two things that just made it not happen? Because it sounded like both parties, or at least Rutgers, wanted this to happen.
2: So there were basically Shiano three weeks ago laid out a plan and said to be minimally competitive, we need this staff salary pool, this sports staff salary pool, and this dedication to facilities, and for three weeks, Rutgers led Chiano and his camp to believe that they were going to fulfill those. And then finally, at the end, they did not basically come through and want to invest as much as, she, as much as sorry about that, as much as Chiano felt like they needed to invest. And look, building a facility for somewhere around100 million dollars is a huge investment for a place like Rutgers, which really, I think at the core, Rutgers has no institutional desire to be capable at football. Uh, they just built a hundred million dollars. They just did more than a hundred million dollars in facilities in their athletic department and didn't put a dime to football. They built beautiful buildings for basketball, for gymnastics, all that, you know, they they just poured a ton of money in and they didn't invest it in football. And that is just like that's athletic director malfeasance, because if you're going to run an athletic department, you need good football in the Big Ten. Like that is it. That is ninety percent of your priority. Everything else is window dressing. If you're ru- if you are running the athletic department in a proper way,
1: Pete, you're the man. Always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Check him out on Twitter at Pete Thamel. Thanks, guys. Awesome stuff there from Pete Thamel Carrington. Almost as awesome as Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter doesn't depend on other candidates finding you. No, 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 no. It goes out and finds them like Cafe Altura CEO Dylan Miskowitz did when he was unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at slash enter. They don't depend on candidates finding you. I told you that. Find them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, I wanted to piggyback Carrington off of that conversation with Pete on a couple different levels. So, Number one would be the Rutgers thing, all right? Because I think on some level, people could look at like Shiano asking for unlimited jet usage, which, by the way, would be like the first thing I would ask for. I'd be like, yeah, facilities are important, but in the back of my head, I'd be like, yeah, we're Rutgers. We're not going to ever beat Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State anyway, no matter if you put the Taj Mahal here in central New Jersey. So priority one for me, would be the unlimited personal jet usage. Okay, that's that would be the key. Salary would be up there. Salary for my homies I'm bringing in to be on the staff with me. And then facilities. Because you know what? I don't care if it's the greatest facility in the world. You're still not getting the kids that Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan want. Or even really Michigan State at that point. So those would be my selfish priorities right there. But... I can see people Carrington looking at it and saying, Oh my gosh, look at what he's asking for. That's ridiculous. But the guy was just at Ohio state. They're in the big 10 East against three of like the top 10 blue blood programs in college football anywhere. Like they really need all of that stuff. Probably to even have a chance to not be embarrassing. Do you agree? First off, I just
3: want to say that Greg Schiano he might actually be the best endorser for Zip Recruiter. I don't know how he keeps getting interviews for these jobs. Based <laughs> on what happened last year with Tennessee and now this whole situation with Rutgers, every year somebody entertains the possibility of Greg Schiano being their head coach, yet something happens. I just want to understand why is Greg Schiano this important that everyone seems to want him to be their head coach? I cheer for Missouri. You can see right here. I don't want Greg Schiano to be the head coach of Missouri. I don't understand it. I do agree with you when it comes to Rutgers that their hierarchy is pretty much placed. They're basically Boston College. Like, the Flutie era is over. How good are you going to be in football if you're Rutgers? Maybe you'll get the Ray Rice one season that you can really do something and really emerge. But you're right. For the most part, at best, you can be the seventh, eighth best team in the Big Ten. So I do understand from an administration standpoint, why are we going to spend all this money to come in ninth place
1: this year? Here's the other thing. You mentioned that that you cheer for Missouri, which is interesting. Um, how much college football do you cover on your show? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
4: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: Well, in the beginning of the season when I thought Missouri was going to be good, we talked about college football a little bit more. And then they haven't won a game since October 13th. So my excitement for college football has greatly diminished. We talked about it a little bit whenever K-State beat Oklahoma. And KU, KU didn't win more than three games in any season this decade. They did not make a bowl game. They were never ranked. So I like making fun of Kansas. But Kansas football just isn't something we really talk about a whole lot this year. We did talk about them for one week. They beat Texas Tech. And they were going to play K-State uh, in the uh, in their rivalry game. And they got smoked in that one pretty much is what Kansas does. So we taught college football, if I had to guess, maybe 10, 15% of the time.
1: All right. And what's the hierarchy? If I polled 100 people in Kansas City, what would be their ranking of the schools that they follow for college football or their, their college football team?
3: College football-wise, I would say that Missouri is probably the most popular college football team K-State's probably right there. It's a 1A, 1B situation. Kansas is a distant two-slash-third. If we're talking about college basketball season, everybody cheers for Kansas because they're good at college basketball. I then would say Missouri is a pretty distant second, and third is K-State when it comes to college basketball, college football breakup in the Kansas City metro.
1: So I wanted to get your thoughts on something as it related to Penn State that I saw over the weekend. And they – they were down 21 0 against Ohio State. They came back. They forced a couple fumbles. They made it competitive. Uh, they're not really at Ohio State's level. But what I thought was interesting about it, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, was what happened before the game. On the Friday before the game, I live here in central Pennsylvania, and the local Fox affiliate reported that Penn State starting center Michael Mennett would not play against Ohio State. Now, Michael Bennett, Penn State's best offensive lineman, that's a problem. But what, what happened after that report is really interesting on multiple levels. So James Franklin does not ever, the head coach of Penn State, does not ever, ever, ever give out any injury information and doesn't want anybody giving out any injury information because of, Competitive advantage purposes, right? So, you know, like, I don't know what Kansas City's like, but like in Philadelphia, if they reported that, people would be like, oh man, like that stinks that they're not going to have this guy for the Eagles, that Lane Johnson's not going to play, like that's bad. But you get further west into central Pennsylvania, where Penn State's more important than the pro teams, and you should see the responses to the tweet from Fox 43 in central Pennsylvania. It is, how could you guys do this? This is why Franklin hates the media. You know, you're not supposed to do this. How could you say this? You're helping Ohio state. And it just struck me as someone that does a lot of both, how different NFL fans are from college fans, like NFL fans would be like, Oh shit, that sucks. Uh, but I'm glad you broke that news and we have that information. I'm glad I know that that's going to happen. College fans are legitimately Carrington, like mad at the reporter and mad at Fox 43 for breaking that news. Like that would never happen in the NFL.
3: Ross, I think we have learned as a nation that Penn state fans aren't really the most rational of people. So I would kind of factor it in with this. It's our responsibility as people in the media to report credible and factual information. So if I get credible and factual information from a source that I trust, I'm running with it. I don't care about your personal feelings in this. It's my responsibility to put this information out there in the media. Sometimes college teams and pro teams, they treat information like it's government nuclear secrets. Like they have nuclear launch codes that the rest of us are not smart enough to be able to understand. I remember this article from Chuck Klosterman believe it was probably four or five years ago for Grantland where he covered the Cleveland Browns. And he said, I don't even know what they don't want me to know. That's how secretive these uh, NFL teams are and how college football teams are when it comes to information that they have spun it to fans that you not knowing anything is good for competitive advantage. It's absolute brainwashing, like the ability for these organizations, whether it's in baseball, where I think baseball has convinced its fans that it's better for them not to spend money and to keep the profits as the owner than put it back on their team, the exact same thing has happened in football where teams have spun it like not telling you anything, never answering questions, never being entertaining or engaging is somehow good for business because it helps us on Saturday and Sunday win football games. It's mind-blowing to me.
1: It really is funny. Um, And I think it's more of a, a college football thing. I know the Penn State thing, but I think it's more just college football, because I feel like Ohio State fans would do the exact same thing. Let me say this too, Carrington, since it's our last show this week. This is just my prediction. Either Michigan or Auburn is going to win on Saturday. One of those two games. Like I wouldn't be shocked if either one of them won, because I just feel like that's the way college football goes. It's hard to win games on the road. They're both pretty good teams. It would make their season I know Ohio State and Alabama are better, but I think one of them is going to lose. And I also think, I'll say it right now, I think is going to beat LSU in the SEC championship game because Georgia's freaking good. It's hard to win every game. Georgia's been in the SEC championship game the last couple years. It's LSU's first time in it. I know Joe Burrow's great, but I think is going to win that game, which I'm happy about, by the way, because the only thing I care about at this point is I don't want Alabama in the college football playoff. And frankly, I don't want Utah either. So I want Georgia to beat LSU because I want it to be Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and LSU. Your thoughts on all of those predictions?
3: I do think it makes a lot of sense in your prediction when it comes to college football and how things just rarely all line up and sync where all the favorites win. So I think that's a good logic train. I'll probably side with Auburn over Michigan. Harbaugh's just got to show me in a big game against a good opponent that you can win this game. The dominance that Ohio State has over Michigan is like mind control. I don't know if you've seen Friday or not, but they have mind control over Michigan that I don't know if I can pick them to win in a big spot. I like Auburn's team. They got a really impressive win in the early part of the season. Their losses have come on the road. They lost at Florida and at LSU, two of the top 15 teams in college football at home against an Alabama team. We talked about it with Pete Thamel earlier. Alabama doesn't have one single good win this season. Their non-con game was Duke, and we're not talking about Duke's basketball team. They beat Duke in football. That was their non-con win. And they don't have one major win in the SEC. I agree with you. I think Auburn wins that game. I think Ohio State wins. The SEC championship game is tricky because LSU can lose, and as long as they don't get blown out, they're still in the college football playoff. But I do think it's hard to motivate 18 to 20-year-olds when you tell them there's nothing to play for other than pride. Like, how do you motivate that team where Georgia just needs the SEC championship game far more than LSU does? If Georgia wins that game, they will be included in the playoffs. If they lose, they're not going to be included. LSU can lose that game and still be in the playoff. So I do think that Georgia over LSU is a nice upset pick in the SEC championship game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's going to happen and because Georgia just desperately wants to win an SEC championship, and then I'll be happy with those final four in the college football playoff. You make a great point about Alabama. Uh, that drives me crazy. It should only be about what you've done this year. You're all, all over it. Alabama, obviously, one of the national teams in college football for sure, like the Dallas Cowboys and like we did earlier we've got some terrific sound from 1053 the fan our Dallas affiliate on the radio.com app and i have an easy, a sneaky suspicion what they'll be talking about
5: if they were sitting there dousing the footballs in water even though they were inside i don't care you know i mean I'd, i don't listen, care I, I will say That's this here's devil's advocate the patriots practice outside all week and got out game.
6: RJ, and I said the same thing to Mickey. I don't care about that. They have no weapons. The the, the, the New England Patriots are handicapped. They dress three effing wide receivers. They don't have the line. They have nowhere near the talent that we do. So I don't care. Well, the New England only did this. New England only did that. They don't have the capability to do anything more. They don't. You find out what you can and can't do outside in the conditions. Well, we we can get more work work done. Well, congratulations on your flawless indoor practice where the ball didn't hit the ground. Congratulations on practicing in conditions that will come nowhere near simulating what you're going to see on Sunday. Find out if you can grip the damn football by practicing all week long in the bad condition so it doesn't take you a half and wasted possessions you threw away because you can't throw to your receivers with any accuracy until you put on the glove in the second half.
5: Coach, there's a there's a stat called win probability. It basically tells you before each play your chances of winning the game, whether they increase or decrease based on the play you're going to run. Do you have that information available to you You know, during the game based on each play? Like, hey, if we kick the field goal here, our chance of winning the game goes up or down. Yeah, we don't use those stats within
6: the game. You can feel when they were asking him about the analytics and his answer. Like the whole room is like, we we can't believe you're saying this. No, it looks
5: horrible on him. Like for him to actually admit that, like just lie to me. I am used to being lied to by everyone in my life. Everyone. Even like I'm used to being lied to by coaches, governments, whatever. I'm used to it. Just lie to
1: me. Uh, you know, I, I could go a lot of ways with this, Carrington. I think I probably give Jason Garrett the benefit of the doubt because he went to the same college I went to, and I like to see him do well. But when he makes a comment like that, that we don't look at the stats during the game or in the game, that's that's a bad look. I don't want anyone to mention where he went to school because that's a bad look for my school. Ross, I would
3: imagine that at some point you prepare for the show. You don't take the prep that you do at home and then bring it onto the air or on the show. That's basically what Jason Garrett said. Football coaches love to tout that they spend 70 hours working and they sleep at the facility and they got a cot and how much film they're watching. What's the purpose of doing all of that if you don't use the information during the most important time? The time to use the information is not on Tuesday. The time to use the information is on Sunday during the football game. I would never say that out loud. At this point, if the Cowboys keep Jason Garrett, they are a commitment to mediocrity. The Cowboys have been the exact same team for the last 15 years, 8-8, 9-7, 10-6. At best, they're going to win their division and lose in the first round of the playoffs. If they continue with Jason Garrett, that's exactly what they signed themselves up for. This team has far too much talent to be as mediocre as they are. Ross, you've probably seen this before. You know when you watch TV and then you see a fast food commercial and then you see what the sandwich looks like. And you're like, man, it looks pretty good. And then you drive in your car and then you finally get You're like, what is this? I didn't pay for this. That's what the Cowboys are. They look really good in the commercial. And then when you got it home after you ordered it, it was completely different. They got a top-five quarterback. They have an elite-level running back. They traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. They paid Demarcus Lawrence. They got Byron Jones. They have all the pieces in the world, yet they are the most mediocre 9-7 and seven football team that you can watch.
1: Yeah, and unless they go, like I think, to the Super Bowl at this point, I think they're going to move on from Jason Garrett. They're going to be hiring a new coach. Maybe Jerry Jones will go to ZipRecruiter. Zip Recruit doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you, and Jerry Jones will be able to use the technology to identify people with the right experience and invite them to apply to his job. Dallas Cowboys head coach might get some people to apply for that one. So you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, I know a guy that posted his job to ZipRecruiter and was amazed, Dylan Miskowitz, how quickly great candidates were applying. Same thing could hold true for you, Jerry. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter, that's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire we have a big-time rematch. It is the Miles Garrett-Mason Rudolph Bowl, except there's a chance neither one of them even plays. We'll talk about it with our guy, Andrew Filipponi when we come back here to Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original. Always love talking with my guy, Andrew Filipponi. He is a stud out of Pittsburgh, and there's a lot to talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He does a great job, as always, hosting his show. You can check him out, The Pony Express. Uh, Andrew, Pony, whatever. Gosh, you're Andrew and Pony. He's Carrington NC Dot. I'm just Ross. What up, I'm just freaking Carrington? Ross. Okay. I keep it. Pony, easy. how's it going? Ross, My I'm bad, happy to brother. tell you
3: that. Ross, I'm happy to tell you that I have seen one of you dance before. And, Ross, it's not you. I've been at a wedding with Pony before. He actually taught me the difference, or his girlfriend taught me the difference between v- being vegan and vegetarian. Pony has taught me so much in life.
1: I love it. I love it, Pony. Well, teach me this, Pony. Uh, I know a little bit about Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I want gotcha. to know what the environment is going to be like for that game on Sunday when the Browns come to town. because. I know what people in Pittsburgh pride themselves on. I know that they don't think anybody can ever bully them or beat them up. What is that place going to be like on Sunday?
4: Uh, It's going to be like the Roman Coliseum, Uh, Ross. I had uh, a Heinz Field employee tell me a a couple days ago, actually, that he doesn't think he's going to let Miles Garrett jerseys into the stadium. That there's already been a conversation among some of the um, security staff and uh, people at the gates at the stadium who are on watch for anything that they think is going to create a disturbance inside the stadium. And believe it or not, I guess a jersey with a guy's last name on it is enough to get you either booted or uh, prohibited from the stadium. So that's the first thing. I thought that was very interesting. Um And I think the environment in there is going to depend on who the quarterback is for the game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be uh, an us-against-the-world a Pittsburgh versus Cleveland situation, guys, if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback. If that's the case, then I think, believe it or not, if Rudolph starts, I think the Steelers fans could turn on the Steelers very quickly in that game Sunday.
3: Pony, I was going to ask you about the quarterback situation. And much was to made to do of Mason Rudolph being benched. Who do you think the starting quarterback is going to be on Sunday? Uh, I think it's
4: going to be uh, I think it's going to be Duck. I was in Cincinnati on Sunday. Uh, I had heard from some Steelers people before the game that Tomlin had vacillated on his quarterback for that game. That there was some discussion and actually a lot of debate among the coaching staff. And even some of the front office over, should it be Rudolph or Hodges against the Bengals? There was a lot of concern that not only was the four interception game from Rudolph not a mistake or an outlier, but that he just was not handling everything that came out of that game uh, appropriately or in a way that gave them confidence, that there was some doubt about where he was at mentally and emotionally going into that game he played very rattled his body language was atrocious Carrington and I think the team every time Hodges has gone into games the Steelers have responded they almost beat the Ravens at home when Hodges came in for Rudolph after he took that big hit that put him in concussion protocol he went to the Chargers and beat LA Uh, he did not play like lights out in that game but He played better than Aaron Rodgers did in L.A. against the Chargers. And then I thought he made one big play against the Bengals and didn't have any ghastly mistakes or errors. So Tomlin is very good at reading his locker room, guys. And I think the locker room, the air would come out of it if he went in there yesterday and said, Mason is going to be our starting quarterback.
3: So, Pony, to follow up with that, was there a breaking point with Mason Rudolph and – if everything you're saying is true, and I believe you, why did they ever go back to Mason Rudolph instead of just keeping Hodges as a starter?
4: Well, he actually, uh, Carrington, to go back to that game, that image of him coming off the field without face mask mascot against the Ravens because the freaking cart machine didn't work and that whole rigmarole and uh, absurd moment. You know, that game, Rudolph had actually played well. I, I'm not going to say that he had matched uh, Lamar Jackson tit for tat or play for play, but he had hit Juju for a touchdown. He threw the ball in stride and the play where he actually got injured, he took a hit to make a play. and It was probably his best pass of the day. So I think the thinking, the logic there was Carrington. um, He wasn't going to lose his job due to injury. And it wasn't like Hodges had thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns against the chargers. They won the game, but it was mostly because of defense. So, they had a big uh, first-round grade. That's what they say on Rudolph, even though they picked him in the third round. He's been uh, viewed as a successor to Roethlisberger by the organization. So I don't think midseason at 2-4 and four, they were ready to pull the plug on Mason Rudolph. And as far as a breaking point goes, I think it was the first series of the second half on Sunday. They gave him halftime to cool his jets, decompress, get his head back in the game. And it was another three and out with an intentional grounding play where he just looked like a total mess. And at that point, I think Tomlin had seen enough.
1: You know, Pony, I came on your show uh, the Monday night of the Dolphins game. The PM team with Pony and Mueller, 93-7 the fan. And to your credit, you said, hey, I think they're going to win this game. They're going to beat the Colts. They're going to win that game. I think they're going to be in a good position to make the playoffs. I think Mason Rudolph's pretty good. Did the loss to the Browns change everything in terms of your scenario, or are you still feeling the same way? No,
4: my confidence is is shaken, Ross. And it's not just because they lost to Cleveland. It was the collateral damage of that game. I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to play on Sunday against the Browns. I could be wrong. But my guess is he's going to miss another game. He's got two injuries, a knee problem and the concussion. He's not out of the protocol yet. He didn't make the trip to Cincinnati. And I just got – I talked to James Conner. We had a long conversation with each other yesterday. And I don't think he's close to playing. I think he's at a point now with this shoulder injury guys where if it doesn't get better, he's going to need surgery. And so there's a good chance his entire 2019 season – might end up being over. I think it's it's a possibility. It might be 50-50 right now if we see James Conner get back on the football field for the Steelers. Uh, they're not going to have Marquise Pouncey in this game. That, to me, was a total... Um, that, totally, that suspension had everything to do with the fact that the NFL didn't want a powder keg for this Brown-Steelers game. Pouncey's a very passionate, emotional player, and I think they felt with him like this whole thing could get set off again, so he's out, that's a considerable loss. Um, Ross, I feel like Sunday's kind of an elimination game, to be real with you. I think the loser of this game is out of the playoff picture, and I don't have a great feeling about it right now in part, because I don't know unequivocally for sure who the Steelers' starting quarterback is, and their offense is just completely in shambles with all the injuries.
3: Tony, you bring up the wild card spot. I think Buffalo's going to make the wild card because they are basically playing New England schedule, which is one step above Clemson's schedule. The hardest game probably remaining for Pittsburgh is at Baltimore. What game are you most worried about that's not the at Baltimore game to close out the season?
4: Well, this one, this one, Carrington. I mean, I don't know. It looks right now like the Ravens are going to need that Week 17 game to to hope to force a tiebreaker with New England. And they've got, the head-to-head win, but if the Patriots were to falter, you know, maybe Baltimore plays Robert Griffin in that game and you catch a break and they're benching starters. I'm not confident that's going to happen, but I think it's still a possibility. Uh, The Bills don't scare me for a second, guys. There's a reason why they're a touchdown underdog against the Cowboys on Thursday. Vegas knows that they're a total sham. They're a complete mirage. Josh Allen is basically... Uh, Mason Rudolph with a bigger arm and they've done everything and and he can run better. I'll give him credit for that. He can actually move Um, and so I think they've got a killer schedule coming up. The only game I would say they'll be favored in of their last five is probably week 17 against the Jets. They won't be favored when they come here in a few weeks because the Steelers defense is playing at a very high level so I'm not ready to say the hay is in the barn with the Bills Carrington Actually, I know it's a flavor of the month, and I'm getting snookered in because they're playing great football right now, but if I had to make a bet on who the first wild card team will be right now today, I'm going to say it's the Tennessee Titans because they've got a top 10 defense and a top their, their offense is coming along with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry.
3: Pony, last year I thought the biggest problem for the Steelers was it's hard enough to win in the NFL. It's even harder when you're not pushing in the same direction. They had the Roethlisberger thing and they had the Le'Veon yep. Bell thing and the Antonio Brown thing. There was so much going on last year. How much credit do you give Tomlin for keeping this team together and amidst all the injuries that you're talking about? I think he should be a strong Coach of the Year uh, consideration.
4: Well, yeah, I think he's... I don't know where the conversation, how many guys gets, you want to say get in the conversation. Is it a half dozen? Is it five? Is it ten? I think the fact that they have a winning record with Ben having played only a game and a half does put him in a discussion for Coach of the Year. Now, I, I don't think, you know, the Patriots game was a complete disaster. They had all offseason and training camp to prepare for that game, and they do what they always do. They tiptoed into that game. It was a milk toast game plan. It's like they always play scared up there, and they're not the only team that does that. But you think with all the experience the Steelers have with this coach and quarterback of playing there, that they would put a better effort out there. They didn't. Um, You know, the Ravens game, it's amazing to me. Baltimore and San Francisco, which looks like everybody's picked to win the Super Bowl right now or play for the Super Bowl in Miami, the Steelers should have beaten both teams. Lamar Jackson threw three interceptions in that game here. If Juju doesn't fumble in overtime, I think the Steelers beat them. And San Francisco played, I thought, their worst game of the season by far against Pittsburgh back in week three. They had five turnovers. Most of them were giveaways and not takeaways by the Steelers' defense. And that was a very winnable game. If it's not Mason Rudolph's first career start, I think the Steelers go there and wins so even though they're 6 and 5 and you know he's galvanized the team Carrington there's still some what if scenarios with this Steelers team it's not that far fetched they could very easily be 8 and 3 right now with some major signature wins that would keep them in the conversation for the AFC North title
1: Pony, last question. Um, the Ravens obviously have been playing much better over the last month or so. Yep. They've been unstoppable. Uh, last night was ridiculous. Do you think that they should cancel football in the city of Pittsburgh until Lamar Jackson retires? Uh, I'm
4: still, I, I'm, I'm livid. Actually, I'm, I'm the only guy beating this drum here because I'm the I, apparently I'm the only talk show host with a brain. As it turns out in this city, I'd, I'd throw my, my knuckleheaded co-host into that bag of of morons uh, as well. But, uh, you know, this, this franchise went into the draft two years ago in dire need of a quarterback. They went and they scouted and interviewed all of them. They sat down with all these guys, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, um, Sam Darnold, even though they knew it was far-fetched to get him, and Mason Rudolph. And they thought the best move was to reach on Terrell Edmonds. And I think Mike Mayock had like a third-round grade on Edmonds with the 28th pick or 29th pick of that draft and uh, wait until the third round to take Mason Rudolph had they picked Lamar Jackson, guys. And I do believe that there were some people in the Steelers organization, not Kevin Colbert, not Mike Tomlin, who thought that Lamar Jackson, even though he's unorthodox, could be their quarterback of the future – Had they done that, uh, we would have a Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck situation here. Instead, we're duck calling this weekend, and we're keeping our fingers crossed that Ben Roethlisberger at 38 years old comes back next year and doesn't turn into Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers. So thanks for reminding me of that, Ross. They should have the best succession plan maybe in NFL history fall into their lap. But uh, but it turns out they they took a safety who's probably average at best instead.
1: Well, look, I just think for years, Mason Rudolph versus Lamar Jackson, that is going to be a matchup to watch. That is one I am excited. That's an even game right there at the quarterback position. <laughs> Mason Rudolph against Lamar Jackson. Oh, 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 it hurts. It hurts. Pony, appreciate the time. Tell everybody in Pittsburgh to just chillax a little bit on Sunday. I mean, let me just—I uh, mean, Pittsburgh; those people are tough. Philadelphia—they're—they're they're a little crazy. But either yeah. way, I would not be rocking Browns gear, and I definitely would no. not wear a Miles Garrett jersey on Sunday.
4: Well, I had somebody tell me that that's why they moved the game time, boys. That they're not—you know—all poly- no. I don't mean any disrespect, Carrington, to your situation, but. You can't tell me that more eyes are going to be on Chiefs Raiders Sunday. They're going to send Jim Nance and Tony Romo to call a game that the Chiefs are probably going to win by 17 points. I mean, the only reason why they moved that game to 1 o'clock is because they don't want liquored-up Steelers fans and Browns fans getting arrested, and that being a spotlight game for the NFL this Sunday.
1: It's a really good point. Pony, thank you for the time, as always. Really appreciate it. Yep. Peace. There he is, Andrew Filippone. He's on the PM team with Pony and Mueller on 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh. I told you, we got boys everywhere because we do a good job of hiring for our Radio.com affiliates thanks to ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter knows the top guys out there like Danny Parkins, like Carrington Harrison, like Andrew Filippone. They don't depend on candidates finding you. They find them for you. And you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. They've got the technology that identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting any job on ZipRecruiter, you'll be amazed by how quickly great candidates are applying. And you'll find whatever job you're looking for in just a few days to fill. With results like that, it's no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. <laughs> ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. All right. We have one more half hour to go. And we're going to dive into the analytics with Solomon Wilcott's former NFL defensive back. He now works for Pro Football Focus, among other places. Love Solly, love Pro Football Focus. We'll compare John Harbaugh's decision making to Jason Garrett when we come back here. Probably not going to be real close. It is Radio.com Sports Original Home and Home. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home.
0: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?